Blog Talk Radio. Playing Sports City Chefs from Amazon Music. get decks by him and he gets a chance to kind of ground and pound on you like 
it's going to be a tough day because <clears throat> it's hard to get out from under him, especially if you don't have that that wrestling or strong strong jujitsu background. His his ground game is going to be better than most, also. So um, I feel like that there was a point where you know people thought Blade Curtis Blades could be the next big thing at the heavyweight division. You know he stubbed his toe in a couple of bouts along the way. Um, but I mean, yeah, I, for him, like for him to call out Stipe, originally Stipe said he might be done, and then he kind of debating Ngannou is just a man. That's a that's a beast of a, on a different level. I feel like, but uh, good for Blaze calling him out. Like I, like you said, I, I think that Stipe may decide he has uh, some other some other big fish to fry. But at least with Blaze calling him out, if if you know they ever do feel like they want him to get another fight in. Or, you know, stay re- have a have another fight to stay ready. Well, that's you know that's now a possibility. And like you know, congratulations to Curtis Blades on that win last night. I don't think you're ready for Stepe though. I mean, I mean, why not? Stepe just got knocked out. So like that, and that's the one thing about fighting, whether it's UFC or boxing. Once somebody gets that button touch it's like if somebody gets there again it they're always vulnerable that's why i feel kind of bad about uh roy jones jr because once roy jones got knocked out by tarver everybody started getting to that point in his chin and everybody was knocking roy out and it was it was happening consistently so now this situation could happen to any of these fighters let alone steve's button has actually been rung and it's like you can't train that part of your jaw like no matter what like anywhere in that region, and I actually did a study uh, reading on it, like from, like, the bottom part of your jaw from where your ear is and it comes down all the way to your chin, there's so many nerve endings there that if, like, they get damaged, it's like if somebody gets back there, again, it, that's that bell ringer. What people think is square on the, the front of the chin, it's all in that jaw region that could end up getting somebody knocked right. out. So it's like steep eight could get knocked out again. It's it, it, but Stipe's tough. He's a taller fighter. He's six four. Uh, he uses his length and size well, so that's that's one thing that works in his favor, um, especially in the heavyweight and in any fighting style. It's like all it takes is one punch either, on either side of the spectrum. So this this is something that yeah. can happen, and, and it sets up for a big day. Whether him or a Derek Lewis situation, like Derek's gonna have to try and fight his way back into this. So it'll be interesting. Uh, um, I, I think I hear you saying something. Uh, your thoughts on that? No, no, I 100% agree with you on that. But when, you know, once sometimes once you've had that bell rung, it's a lot easier to sound the alarm again, right? Like uh, it, it happened with Chuck Liddell too, right? Like once he got dropped, mm-hmm. one of those first yeah. times, like it started happening a good bit. And so, I mean, it, and it's interesting because some people that there are some people who can bounce back. I mean, Pacquiao got his button pushed. And got knocked TF out, like Smokey said. Um, mm-hmm. And then, but he was still able to come back and and have some really good good fights after that. So, I you know Stipe, as it took me a little while to really really embrace and realize like how good he was. He's one of the best heavyweights we've seen, right? So, um, it. Anytime, like you said, anytime you've gotten that button pushed, anything can happen. For me, I would still put my money on Stipe over Blades, and so that's why I say I don't, I don't think he's ready. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But you never know once that button has been pushed, and so it wouldn't surprise me either way. Right, and I think Blades had his last loss against Derek, if I'm not mistaken. So this is a, a wild, like uh, merry-go-round, if you will, to see how these names go down. But I, we definitely have to wait to what see what Dana has in store for Francis because uh, the contract dispute is everything on what's happening between them. And if he's comfortable with what he sees, he's the big name now. So does Dana make it interesting? Because it's kind of like you got to feed the beast of your championship divisions or, or the championship fighter because you got to treat it kind of like how George St. Pierre was or Connor was. Uh, Francis is a big name from his respective region, let alone here in America also. And um, the credit that him and Stipe gave one another, I mean, it, it's only right unless you want to see him win another two or three fights and then start giving him the credibility. I, I mean, it, it, it's a, a weird merry-go-round on how the the way the fighting science works. 
uh, even though it's not boxing, where it, it's similar. But um, that's the one thing about these fighters, especially in UFC. They don't see the purses that the boxing world sees, but the hysteria is around the UFC as big or bigger than boxing. So who knows if the fans speak up and want to see a certain super bout, then that'll happen. If they really will let Stipe come out of, you know, his his quietness and come out here and in, entertain this, then this will be a great thing, especially for Blaze. And if Stipe wins that fight, be something for him to step toward Francis to redeem himself in that uh, that matchup that they had already. Okay, so we will move on, um, get into the thick of things. Um, I kind of want to save a lot of the meat and potatoes for last. Uh, again, the call the number is 929-477-2759. Uh, we do have to get to the sponsor, um, PHI Apparel. I'll let them do the rest. This portion of our program is brought to you by PHI Apparel Company. PHI Apparel Company provides unique designs and high-quality clothing for the great fans of the Philadelphia area. With their original designs for all, there's no doubt that they'll stand out in the crowd. Act now and listeners can use the promo code CHEFS for 15% off any apparel when you shop online at phiapparel.co. That's phiapparel.co. Remember to use the promo code CHEFS for 15% off. Act now while supplies last. Okay, Sports City, I will get into the NBA and the scores of some matchups that happened last night across the nation. Uh, first and foremost, there was one shakeup that happened throughout the week, and I want to ask you about this, Mike. Or better yet, let me just get into the scores. I'll get into the scores, and then I'll ask you about the shakeup that uh, went down, and uh, we'll go from there. First and foremost, the Spurs went into New Orleans and beat the uh, Pelicans 107-103 in an interesting matchup where the Spurs are actually outside of the top ten in the Western Conference, they can actually make a push and get into this thing. Pelicans are now the 10th seed. They were tied with the Lakers. Uh, the Lakers actually take the ninth seed back. They actually play today. That's one thing, too, that I want to discuss also. Uh, moving right along, the Sacramento Kings played the Orlando Magic. 114 to 110, the Kings win this matchup in Mickey Mouse World. Um, we also have another matchup where <laughs> this even got even more shakier in the Eastern Conference with the Toronto Raptors winning their matchup 131-91. to The Pacers lose in Toronto by 40. Uh, Siakam goes off for 23.6 rebounds and 7 assists, and Brissett has a 21.9 and 8-rebound effort. The next matchup, which actually helps the Raptors move up in uh, standings in the Eastern Conference, the Bulls beat the Cavaliers 98-94, to in which Caruso has 10 points, 8 rebounds, 7 assists, and Garland put up a 28-point night, 6 rebounds, and 5 assists for the Cavaliers. The Cavaliers now drop and lose the 6 seed to the Raptors. The Raptors are now the 6 seed. The Cavaliers are struggling since the injury to Jared Allen. Jared Allen's injury is crucial to them. They are missing a good amount of pieces for this roster as the Cavaliers came out to a good start to the season. They are 6-12 and 12 out of their last 18 games. This is incredible on how this thing turns around. Hopefully the Cavaliers don't lose too much ground, but right now they are in the play-in. The next matchup I have is the uh, Brooklyn Nets going to Miami, winning this game 110-95. to 95. Kevin Durant has a 23-point night, five assists and three rebound night. Bam Adebayo has 14 points, six rebounds, and two assists. I will be back to that team in a little bit. The next matchup I have, still with John ja Morant out, the Memphis Grizzlies win their matchup up against the world champion Milwaukee Bucks, 127-102. to 102. Giannis has a 30-point, 11-rebound effort with four assists to go on top of that. Melton has a 24-point night with three rebounds and two assists. And the... In Denver, Colorado, the Denver Nuggets win their matchup up against the Thunder 113-107 with Pokashevsky has a 17-point, 5-rebound and 5-assist night. And Jokic goes off for 35 points, 12 rebounds and 8 assists in a winning effort at home in Denver, Colorado. And last but not least, the Houston Rockets go into Portland and win pretty big, 115-98 to 
and Sanguine going off for 27.7 rebounds and three assists, and Watford had 15 points, 10 rebounds, and five assists in a losing effort for the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, Mike, is there any game or games that you'd like to break down or elaborate as I get uh, another question warmed up for you? Man, the Memphis Grizzlies just continue to impress me. I mean, this team just plays hard. They're scrappy. They're tough. Uh, you're missing your, your best player, and you still find a way to to win against a really good basketball team and win handily. I mean, it ain't like they just won on a buzz, buzzer beater. So that impresses me. Uh, you mentioned Cleveland a second ago. I know they're kind of sliding now with injuries and whatever, but I will say that this is the uh, brightest the future has been in Cleveland or the best Cavalier fans, uh, the, the best this roster has looked without a man named LeBron James on it for many, many years. I think Darius Garland is a young star. Listen, I think the future is pretty bright in Cleveland. Cavalier fans have some things to smile about. Uh, when you look at that roster as constructed, I think that they can, uh, you know, they, they have a lot of young pieces and can continue to build in that organization. Um, you know, San Antonio is, is one of those teams that's a good win for them. They've kind of tried to sort of hang around on the fringe of this and see if they can find a way to to get in. We'll see, you know, what the last uh, few games bring. Very impressive performance by Jokic and then, Poor the man. I mean, what do you say? You've had the injuries and whatever else, but you lose at home by 17 to to this Houston team, uh, who is still still trying to find its way and discover its identity. So, uh, I feel like that's a bad uh, that's a bad loss for for Portland. Okay, so quickly, I'm going to ask. Well, not even quickly. I don't want to rush you at all. Um, in which I was talking about the Brooklyn Nets winning that matchup by 15 in Miami, where Miami is at the top of the Eastern Conference. They lose ground from the number one seed. They fall to number two. Um, your thoughts on what happened this week in which there was a blow-up between Spolstra, Udonis Haslam, and Jimmy Butler. And in this game against Brooklyn, Jimmy Butler only had seven points in this matchup. Like, his production fell. And I don't know – if this is something of him being disgruntled or this could be something in his head and it, you know, is lingering. But this is something that I had a question about in, you know, other networks and places where we go to, to go talk our sports. But um, watching the situation happen around Jimmy Butler, not just this altercation, but I do want to talk about the altercation. But knowing Jimmy's situations, I don't really want to say, oh, his antics, things of that nature, but it is a part of that. Will this end up tripping up Miami? And right now, this is too bad for it to be happening at the end of March, approaching April, and the playoffs are right around the corner. It's like the timing is ridiculously bad at this point. Uh, your thoughts on Jimmy Butler, the outburst that happened in Miami while Udonis Haslam was trying to defend Spolstra. It got basically face-to-face to where Butler had to leave the bench in, in the midst of the uh, scurry. And uh, it just looked really bad for a team that's actually trying to do better uh, in this postseason run. I think Jimmy Butler is a very highly competitive player, right? I think he does play with some passion. I think he he definitely can get can get heated and can just step back. The cooler heads prevail. You know, uh, he's asked his way he has asked his way out of a lot of different organizations, and and been traded around. The the thought was, especially after their run a couple of years ago in the bubble, that. Uh, you know, maybe he found his home in Miami and this was a good fit for him. And it may still be, uh, but, you know, I, what I can tell you is this, regardless of whatever it was um, or, or what all caused it, you hope it's sort of a, a heat of the moment thing and at some point you can kind of get this back together because, listen, Miami's had a good season. Everybody's kind of packed in there really close in the uh, – in the East, but even if he's not always going to be the leading scorer or the best player on the floor, Jimmy Butler is sort of that alpha dog and that leader for this Heat team. And so, you know, if if his production falls off the table like it did last night, uh, 
they'll be a candidate for an early round upset. Maybe not necessarily the first round, but they'll be a candidate to be put out early. Uh, because you got to think with these teams as close as they are together, what is it, uh, one and six are, are all pretty close in the standing. So, I mean, this is uh, – Jimmy Brother is key. Uh, him being on board or, or him uh, being able to produce is key for, for Miami moving forward. But with this kind of – with all this having gone on, and it appears that that there's trouble in paradise down in down in South Beach right now, or uh, it, it appears that this could very easily derail Miami season. And I'm not the type to like pick on the situation because I've never seen Spolstra as animated as he was toward a player. I've seen him. I've seen all NBA coaches yell at referees or things that are nature disputing calls. But watching this happen with Jimmy Butler. The way that it happened, he threw the clipboard on the court, mad. Every player was trying to hold him back. He was going straight for Jimmy Butler, and the crazy part about it is Jimmy Butler is like the, you know, quote-unquote, tough guy, you know, and he's walking away from Spolstra but trying to figure out what he's saying to Spolstra and, like, trying to reason with Spolstra. Spolstra was like, I'm not trying to hear that. You think, like, you could kind of read the body language, like, you can't be thinking you're bigger than the organization. And um, just watching that happen, and at this point, they're actually on a losing streak at this point in time. It's bad that this is happening to the Heat after all that they worked on. Um, me, analytically, I hope they can get it together to make this an interesting postseason run. But as a fan, it's like I- I'd rather see that. I'd rather see Miami struggle because it's like I don't want to see them in the postseason raising hell and uh, nobody can deal with them. Right now you have an older Kyle Lowry there who's new, he was trying to break that up. He didn't know how to handle either Jimmy Butler or Spolter because he'd never seen this. He just got there, and uh, everybody else kind of trying to calm the bomb. So um, I don't know which way the Heat will go, but it's going to be very interesting as they approach the postseason and, and try to get away from this losing streak all in itself. Um, anything else you'd like to say around this one before I get away from the, at least the Heat? Mike, I might have lost you. Are you there? Are you available, Mike? Yeah, I'm here, man. I'm sorry. I was I was talking on mute, bro. I was I was sure talking away. Nah, man. Like, what I 100% agree with you on this. Like, uh, it, like I said, for them to for them to compete, they're gonna have to be there. And, and Kyle Lowry, that's a lot for him to try to get in there when he when he doesn't really, uh, you know, he really hadn't gotten that dynamic yet. But I will say, like, uh, I haven't really seen. I'm I'm sitting here trying to think of examples in my head, but I really haven't seen too many examples where Spolstra and, and his star players have really had many. Like for all accounts, uh, Spolstra has has been a coach that you know backs his players and, and is, a, is a solid coach. But uh, you know, I, I definitely like to to dig and know a little bit more about what happened in that incident or. Of what all was being said, I'm not surprised to see Adonis Haslam trying to trying to toe the line and back the uh, the organization. But yeah, Miami definitely has to get it together to go on that run. I mean, you just lost at home to a Brooklyn team that you know you're going to have to compete against uh, in the, in the East, and now they're going to have a chance to have uh, you know Kyrie and their gun. So uh, you know Brooklyn's going to be a tough out. Okay, another quick question. Your thoughts on the Memphis Grizzlies, the way that they are playing ball without John Morant at this point in time. They are a good unit with or without him and doing this in the Western Conference. Your thoughts on the Grizzlies while they're standing pat with their core that they have and with their leader being out, and as young as he is being out, this team is actually following behind him and supporting him whether he's healthy or not. Yeah, like I said earlier, that that impresses me about Memphis. Uh, you know, you, most times when you see a, uh, the star player, the best player of the team go down, the team's uh, production drops off. But Memphis is just man, like they're tough and they're gritty, and they just they just got to get a job done. And that happened earlier in the year. I mean, Morant missed uh, a chunk of games earlier this season, and Memphis State still played good ball without him. And I I think that's. Uh, you hear it all the time, and it's very cliche-ish, but uh, 
next man up type of mentality. But to me, this Memphis Grizzlies organization and and this roster, they really embody that, and they still find a way to get it done. They don't make excuses. You don't have your guy, but you still find a way uh, to compete and, and be relevant. And so uh, that, that impresses me about this organization. I've been saying for a while, Memphis is, uh, especially over the course of a series, and this team still, it, you know, is not proven and hasn't gotten out of the first round of the playoffs in a while. But this team is going to be a tough out and someone to really contend with in the Western Conference. This, uh, they've kind of, you know, they they made the playoffs for years and sometimes get bounced in the first round, but Memphis has always found a way to stay competitive. But this may be from top to bottom. This may, you know, this may be as good a team as Memphis has ever had. Debatable, debatable. I could think about the days with Gasol and Zebo. Those those are at least that team when they made the postseason runs that they did. But right now, the way that they are playing, they're playing with house money for real, and their hair is on fire. Everybody that they play, they know they have to defend the three-point line, and these guys penetrate and get in the lane and can finish. So this is what makes it tough about Memphis at this point in time, and they're young. So um, a lot of these teams are a little bit older than what they, they bring out at the end of the day. So this is what's scary about the Memphis Grizzlies. Agreed, and I think to me the reason why I say I say maybe because it definitely is debatable, and you know that's why I, I didn't make that a definitive statement. But you look at those teams back then; would they have been able to still compete at the same level if you had taken Gasol or Zero, you know, that best player off the floor? Uh, you know, I don't know. Like that—that that to me is that to me is another level of impressive to me. When you, like I said, you take your star out and you're still winning, and and this wasn't a home game against all due respect, you know, Houston or Portland or a team that's, that's lingering near the bottom of the standings. You know, this was a, this is a game against a, uh, a good basketball team, the defending world champs where Giannis got 30 points. I mean, and, and they still were, were able to pull it out by over 20. So uh, that's impressive to me. Okay. So another situation that I know we talk about well, but I'm going to go outside of the spectrum though. Your thoughts on the game that took place last night with the Spurs and the Pelicans, and not just the game, but where these guys sit at right now in the NBA standings in which they are chasing each other at least for the 10th spot to be in the play-in. I don't know who wants to play it or, you know, you know, settle down for the draft and try to see if they could get more uh, lottery balls involved or whatever. But just looking at how the Western Conference is being set right now, and interesting that this game is being played today where your resident uh, or your hometown, shall I say, uh, Pelicans take on the Lakers in L.A., if I'm not mistaken. I have to check that again. They are a half a game back from the Lakers. They could actually make this interesting and go up a half a game if they beat the Lakers. However, the Spurs are a game away from the Pelicans, so that makes it even more interesting if the Spurs were to win, this would just be just incredible how this bottom half situation will look. I still feel the Lakers will make the play-in game, regardless of how this goes down. They could go as far as a seven seed. I, I doubt that they could catch – no, the far, let, let me say that the right way. Let, they could probably go as far as an eight seed. They can't catch the seven. Minnesota's sitting there, and I don't know if Denver loses, however that pans out. But uh, that will be interesting in itself. But just to speak about the Pelicans and the Spurs, and how they met up last night, and that meant a lot for this uh, postseason run. How do you feel like if the Spurs could get back in this, especially with Pop, I, I feel like a little bit reinvigorated after getting the all-time wins leader uh, over Donnie Nelson, and uh, the Pelicans, I mean, they get CJ there. It's like the whole thing changes. They ruled Zion out for the regular season, and as soon as they rule him out, he puts a video up of him dunking, uh, throwing the ball off the backboard, jumping from the dotted to catch it and put it through his legs and dunking it. So Zion has it. It's just wondering if they were to make a postseason run or not, it would make it interesting for the Pelicans. But at least your thoughts for the Spurs and Pelicans at this point while they're chasing your favorite Lakers at this point in time. So that game is at 7 Eastern tonight with the Lakers and Pelicans, and that game is being played at the Smoothie King Center in New Orleans today. Uh mm. But to me, this this Pelicans team, man, it, it almost doesn't matter who's on that roster. 
in a sense that every time you feel like they've really, you know, started to snag some momentum or they're really uh, on an upward trajectory, if you will, they 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 stub their toe somewhere. Uh, you know, this this Spurs team is not one of uh, Pop's better squads, but you know, you're trying to get in the playoffs, you're trying to compete for this spot. You would think that you could uh, find a way to pull this one out, or find a way to to win this game somehow. Uh, but obviously, they're unable to do so. That was a kind of a. And now you turn around, you got the Lakers today. So you you got both of these teams that are right there on either side of you, in back to back nights on your home floor. To me, this game tonight for the Pelicans becomes a huge, I'll even say a must-win for them. They may still find a way to spot in if they do, but for the confidence of that team and really feeling like you got a shot in that play-in, like you, you need to at least get one of these two. It would have been great to try to get them both, but you need to at least get one of these two if you're that Pelicans franchise, and you got both of those teams right there on either side of you in the standings coming into your house. On back-to-back nights, you got to find a way. So, what what type of Lakers team do you expect? Is it the one that we're always? Well, I'd say me, the one that I expect that they're going to start streaking soon and putting it together to start getting away from these teams nipping at their heels. Or do we get this team that's been struggling? Through, I, I really want to say throughout the entirety of the 2022 turn of the, you know, of the year, you know, like as soon as January came, they really just couldn't put it together, especially with February. They've only won a handful of games since the All-Star break or since the start of the month of February. What team do you think will come out and play against this Pelican team? What was that old game show? Like, let's make a deal where it's like, let's see what's behind door number three or you got to pick which door. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like that's kind of what we get, what we have with this Lakers team, man. Like, there's been so much, uh, you know, so many people for, looking forward with that team, almost saying, okay, I expect them to make this run, or I expect at some point they're going to find a way to, they're going to find a way to turn it on. But they, I mean, listen, they, they've left it on the sideline so long. Like, I, I feel like this team, uh, you know, they, they, they got a good win in Cleveland. They've, they've gotten some some wins, but th- this team has still not found that next level that we have been expecting them to maybe be able to find for a little while. So uh, I, I liked it. Listen, I said on this show on a Sunday night, uh, on a Sunday a few weeks ago, that I expected the Lakers to beat the Pelicans at home on a Sunday, and I, I remember how many weeks ago that was. And then the Pelicans went out and just beat them like a drum. It was bad. Like, it was – I want to say it was, it had gotten as bad as, like, 30 points in the fourth quarter. That's when LeBron was, uh, you know, grabbing some extra stats in a game that was uh, out of hand. Like, uh, you know, listen, if it had been uh, – if it had been uh, uh, played in the streets, eventually it caught mercy rule, just called next game. It was bad. Right. Um so now, so now this Lakers organization, I mean, this Lakers team is going into New Orleans. You get New Orleans on the second night of a back-to-back, even though they're both at home, like, playing back-to-back days. Uh, you feel like this this Lakers team should be fresher and ready to play. And, you know, maybe Pelicans have little tired legs after playing last night. But I think we'll see pretty early. Uh, the, the thing that has gotten me about this about this Lakers team is I feel like for the most part, not every night, but for the most part, uh, their opponents have just outworked them and played harder, and and that's not that's not a recipe for success moving forward. I I don't know that they're going to move any higher than that nine seed, um, so they're gonna, they would have to win two games to get into even that first full series in the playoffs, um, you know. Like you said, maybe they can slide up to eight, but uh, it's going to be hard to catch Minnesota. I I just feel like this has been a very, very underwhelming season for the Lakers. It has been very disappointing. I 
don't really see a scenario in which the script is flipped to an impactful enough level that it makes a difference and it changes the the ending to the story once this season is put in the books for this organization. I think that disappointing is just the uh, the word that sums up this Lakers season to me. Okay, so now it's time to get to the, the meat and potatoes of everything. I do want to get away from it. Again, the call the number is 929-477-2759, the month of March, and the madness that we have here. Let me tell you, I don't know how to set this section off, but I'm going to tell it you. I, I, I'm like, I'm like nerve-wracked, you know. Okay, so first and foremost, the first game that took place, um, and I'm biased, and I deal with some people in, in the barbershop, another club and social media network that I'm with, and the club is doing very well. Um, Villanova wins their matchup 50-44 to 44 in a low-scoring matchup in which the first half actually did well. It, it ended at 27-20. You kind of thought that the score would ramp up, and it didn't. It, it kind of was a defense. well, it was a defensive battle all game long, uh, where Moore had 15 points and 10 rebounds, for the Cougars, and Samuels finished that game with 16 points and 10 rebounds for Villanova. Um, the matchup that followed that were the Duke Blue Devils and doing Coach K a favor by getting him to a Final Four the way that they closed out the season in the regular season and in the ACC tournament. They owed him this one. They got him a big win up against Arkansas, 78-69, to 69, in which Williams, the big man, had 19 points and 10 rebounds with three assists to follow. And Williams, uh, the big man for Duke as well, had 12 points, 12 rebounds, and three blocks. Mike, your thoughts on these two teams. I'll start with, the, well, the, the two games, actually, and we'll talk about the two teams also. Um, but first and foremost, the Houston Cougars, who've been surprising the nation for the past couple of seasons, making these runs later into the tournament, lose to a Villanova team who just keeps winning and winning year after year, Coming out of the Big East, they won two championships out of the last five seasons. Uh, your thoughts on this game and Villanova as well? Well, to me, Jay Wright is one of the best coaches in college basketball. He's one of the guys that, you know, with his success at that school, with what he's been able to do at Villanova, you know, you talk about Coach K on his way out. Well, you know, Jay Wright is one of those those guys that, you know, the – the coaching legacy, if you will, you know, he's he's one of the guys to continue to sort of carry that that banner as 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 you know, being uh you know, being a fan of the Big East, this is the most uh successful run that that Villanova has ever had, being able to, to win those two titles. Before those two I don't think they've won it since what, nineteen eighty five or something. So uh you know, big win for Villanova as far as Houston goes. You know, when when I look at this, this was a close game, but it's just live by the sword, die by the sword. I don't know what they finished up, but I know at one point Houston was like one out of 16 from three-point range. And so I'm not sure what the final, you know, stat was as far as what they shot from three-point range, but it wasn't very good at all. If you just hit three more of those shots, maybe you find a way to pull it out, but you know, I'm impressed with uh, Kevin Sampson and the job that he's uh, done at Houston and, and what they've been able to do. Listen, Kevin Sampson has, has shown that he could coach anywhere that he's gone. He's faced adversity. He's had some, some issues with the NCAA in the past. And so for him to bounce back from all that and, and, and still have this much success as a coach uh, is impressive. You, I would have liked to have seen him uh, – make it to a Final Four and see him win. But obviously it was not in the cards, you know. Uh, and then as far as the second game goes, listen, uh, you know, once again, I said I, I would uh, I would eat these words. So let me pull out my hot sauce so to go down a little easier. Uh, listen to the SEC, even though they've improved in basketball, unable to make the Final Four. They just had really one team even advance into the second weekend. When they thought they had six that had the potential to do so. So, 
a very underwhelming performance by the Southeastern Conference. Uh, I don't want to take anything away from Arkansas and say, you know, hey, that was a good win for them over Gonzaga on Thursday night. But, you know, a chance to continue that that success and move on was denied by Coach K and Duke. You know, listen, there's a part of me, you know, one of the people that we uh, talk to in the shop on a regular has, has been saying that with this being Coach K's last year, he's going to ride off into the sunset. With that title, I keep saying that, hey, there's no way. I, you know, I just don't – I don't think Duke's the best team in the country. Uh, the matchups may fall a certain way for them to to possibly get there. But, I, you know, I just didn't feel like this Duke team had enough to win a national title. They're two wins away from proving me wrong. I thought maybe – I thought maybe Arkansas would get them last night. But was not to be. So, uh, regardless of now how it comes out, Maybe they still do get their title. I'm still not convinced. Um, but at least, man, hey, the Coach K gets to go to the biggest stage in college basketball and at least make one more Final Four appearance on his way out the door. So big win for the Blue Devils last night, advancing on to the Final Four, and, and I guess good for Coach K and good for them. Okay, so to answer something that you said, Houston, from the free throw line, shot 15 for 15. They were 100% from the free throw line. They no, actually shot. Wait, wait, wait. No, I actually, no, okay, no, no, I, no. I'm actually looking at the wrong team. I'm sorry. So that's Villanova because Villanova is the best team in college basketball shooting from the free throw line. Let me get that correct. I'm doing this the wrong way. Excuse me, everybody. Houston shot 9 for 14. Because I was looking at that enamored at everything, they shot nine for fourteen from the free throw line. They shot one for twenty. So that one for consisted throughout the game. So at at that point, you saw they didn't hit another three. In which Villanova's defense deserved credit. They they shot as a total for the team seventeen for fifty seven from the field, holding them to well basically thirty. I'll give it twenty nine point eight, but it's thirty. But that's incredible defense to deal with a Houston Cougar team that was raging hot coming into this tournament, let alone going up against Villanova and knowing that they had to play at an A-plus game to beat this team that has the experience and a coach that knows how to get back to the mountaintop, and they clearly shot a dud. And uh, Kelvin Sampson, uh, one of the, the better coaches in college basketball, and the story that he had this year and when they won the second round to get to the Sweet 16, how he partied with the team, it was like you wanted to see him do well. And uh, he was close. And last year they were close also, but this this is to no avail. And Jay Wright, once again, is close to trying to cut another net down. So he cut a net down, a net down last night. And here goes, like I said, they shot 15 for 15 from the free throw line as a team. Um, the three-point shooting was bad for both teams. They were 5 for 21, but that's better than 1 for 20. I got to give Jay Wright his credit. Um, in which <clears throat> the Duke game that they had, uh, last night, I think that they clearly outmatched Arkansas. Arkansas was just, I think, in a whirlwind of a situation and, and outsized at that. Um, Duke did their job to basically force the issue inside, and that's one thing Duke does well. Once they go inside, they play inside-out basketball, and they start knocking down threes. That's the system that Coach K has been working, I, I want to at least say, since the, the the mid to late 90s until now, that this, that's how he's orchestrated everything and they dominated Arkansas. And Arkansas was trying to make a lot of things happen with, like, one or two players, but really couldn't get that, you know, oomph that they needed to try to take the lead. I mean, they kept it respectable and then tried to make it a tough game towards Duke, but Duke was just too much of a powerhouse. And they got, you know, a national championship on their mind. I don't even think they want to just get to a Final Four for Coach K, especially the way things broke down uh, when they played, you know, North Carolina and ending that season or the regular season inside uh, Raleigh-Durham, and then they come into the ACC tournament and lose also to Virginia Tech, where I'm not going to lie, I thought they were going to beat Virginia Tech, and Virginia Tech clearly beat them. So I know they can't take any of these teams lightly any longer, but this is definitely a storybook situation for Coach K, his team, and how his legacy prevails or, or continues to go on as we only get to see him as of next weekend, whether he wins, it goes into the Monday game or Monday night for the national championship, or if it's the last time we see him coach on Saturday, depending on how things do pan out. 
uh, in these next couple of games. So we do have the two games today. I do want to break these down as best as we possibly can. The first game we have is the University of Miami going up against one of the heavy favorites, Kansas. Kansas is actually favored by five and a half in this matchup. Mike, your thoughts on this game? So this is an interesting one to me because I feel like uh, Miami has advanced further than definitely was expected out of them as a team. And, you know, obviously Kansas comes in with a high seed, but they tend to very often uh, find a way to blow it in the tournament. So they've made it to the round of eight. They got a chance to, you know, for Bill Self to punch a ticket to the final four. Uh, I don't know how many times uh, he's been there as a coach, but I feel like uh, probably less times than he should have based on the, the teams that he's been able to to put together uh, down there in Lawrence. But I feel like this is a year for them uh, to go to the Final Four and be there. Uh, and I feel like, you know, a, a, a blue blood program, if you will, like the Kansas Jayhawks, um, I feel like they find a way to get this done today and move on. But, I mean, obviously it wouldn't surprise me either way given their their tournament history and such. But uh, listen, big ups to Miami. They've had, a, they've had a nice tournament run. They've had a good year. They knocked off Auburn. They've uh, knocked off some very good teams on the way uh, to getting to this spot. Uh, I think their road ends today against the Jayhawks. Okay, so you're already calling the winner. Um, this is interesting. So since you go that route, which coach needs this win more? Is it Bill Self or Coach Larinaga, who's actually been coaching well since he's gotten to Miami but hasn't really gotten them to a Final Four or an impressive win to bring it back to Miami? This could be something that can help him actually put, you know, a feather in the cap, if you will, for Larinaga. So I think – for the uh, – I'm going to kind of uh, play both sides of this for a little bit. But I think Laranega needs it for the program, uh, you know, to make a Final Four appearance. That's uh air that this Hurricanes program has rarely been in. And so I think this would be a, a program win, a statement win, to help this team continue to move forward. And maybe even uh, we'll help them, you know, in the recruiting trail as well. And so for the program's sake, I would say that this is a bigger deal for Miami to find a way to pull this out uh, and and win this game. I I think Kansas is still going to get Kansas recruits regardless of what turns out. But as far as for coaching legacy or for, like, uh, what we're looking at is the, as just on, on the coaching spectrum, I think self needs this win because, once again, we, you know, as I was talking about earlier, we've seen Bill Self and Kansas get upset in the tournament, even lose to double-digit seeds a few times, and quite honestly underwhelm when it comes to the big dance. And so I think, once again, if if Kansas does not win this game, I think the critics kind of come out in masses against uh, on Bill Self as far as the, that them underachieving or not realizing, you know, playing up to seeds or, or being where they where they're projected to be. So, as far as coaching legacy, as far as coaching legacy or like for the coach themselves, I think this is a, a bigger game. Or I think Self needs to win more, but I think um, it it would pay great dividends for this Miami program to be able to pull this off. So what happens if Self loses? This is another double-digit team. If Self loses this one, this helps Jim Aranaga get this and try to get to a, another Final Four. The last time he's been here is when he was with George Mason. So this would be another epic run for him in his college coaching career. What about Bill Self? He only has one national championship. This is a year where he can get it done, uh, where it, it's actually even kill all across the board. Like there's no – heavy favorite. Even with them playing Miami, Miami shouldn't even be this far, but they got here. They're a five-and-a-half-point favorite. I feel like Kansas should definitely be a heavier favorite than that. 
No, I agree with you. And I, like I said, I think if uh, I think if if they if Miami gets this done, I think like I said, I think the critics continue to come out in masses on Bill Self and start mm-hmm. continuing to ask that tough question of why is he unable to win in March? What is it that uh, was it? What is it that he's doing wrong? Because I mean, obviously he's a decent or he's a very very good. Uh, recruiter, they get players. They're a good regular season team. They they very often finish uh, at the top or very close to the top of that conference. They're always competitive in the conference tournament. Um, so you look at this and and but they have had they've been ranked very high, you know, every year and and not been able to uh, to pull this out. So I I think this continues to. I think you're going to hear some outcries from Jayhawks fans and from critics around the country saying, why is it that uh, this guy continues to fail to get it done in March? And and so, yeah, I think the self-critics will come out if Miami wins this game. Okay, the next game I have is is, this is the best story. Like, um, okay, so the home team in North Carolina, I want to try to do this right, in which this game North Carolina is favored by eight and a half in this matchup. The team that they are playing is one of the best Cinderella stories that I've seen in a while, in a while. St. Peter's coming out of the Jersey City area, basically 25, 30 minutes away from me on the border of New York City and Jersey. Nobody would expect the St. Peter's to go on this type of run. I'm hoping the clock doesn't say 11.59. I'm just hoping it doesn't say 11.59. Like, like let it be like 10.30. Like, let them get another dance out. Like, like come on. But the the way that they did this in this team right here, I never would have expected them to get this far. I'm gonna admit this right now, Sports City. <clears throat> my bracket is busted. All four of my teams are nowhere near the Final Four. I had one team left, and I've been talking junk about their conference all uh, however long, and that's the Big Ten. The team that I had was Purdue. I found in my head, I thought that it'd be tough for them to deal with Williams, one of their bigs. And Edie, that seven foot four guy out of Canada, if they continue to dump it down to him, because he doesn't get in foul trouble. He knows how to keep his hands to himself. He knows how to score. He has good footwork to be inside. A lot of times you don't get those seven footers uh, as big as he is to have footwork and be able to do his thing. He's actually doing well. And they still fought through all of that madness and beat Purdue. It's like, I don't know what is on this side. If the coach has these guys on a good pregame speech or what he's doing. But this is incredible basketball that they are playing. They all believe in each other, and they don't care who it is. I really feel like the way that they played these past couple of games, they already beat Kentucky. They beat one of the Blue Bloods and, and sent them home in the first round. And that's why I pick on Coach Cal, too, because he's only got one championship, too. He's kind of in the same discussion that I'm looking at with Bill Self right now. St. Peter's, I'm saying this here now. I tip my hat to everything that you've done at this point in time. This is what makes basketball fun. And in my mind, the best sport out of all of them, even though I love football with my heart. I love football. But basketball, the theater, even Danny DeVito said it's, it's basketball is better than theater because you don't know what's going to happen next. This is Danny DeVito, an actor himself, who goes to the Lakers games all the time, all the time. And just to watch a team like St. Peter's where you did not expect that, I know myself, I checked Kentucky to win that game and just kept on looking how far could Kentucky go, messed with that part of the bracket. Your thoughts on this game, uh, Mike, North Carolina versus St. Peter's, and your thoughts on this run that they're on as well? Yeah, I almost wish they were playing a Midwest team the way they're doing the red rough shot. Uh, listen, they took out the state of Kentucky. <laughs> right. They got Lexington. Right. And then two days later, they go get Murray State. Uh, and then the, I was like you. I thought that that run was going to end with Purdue. And they're able to pull that one out. This is a this is the first 15 seed to make it to the Elite Eight, I believe, in the history of the tournament. So, um, yeah. listen, they've already kind of made history. Um, I feel like an interesting thing to me is that I feel like Purdue and Kentucky were both better teams in North Carolina. I mean, of course – once the season evolves, teams are different or, or teams change. You know, I, I, obviously we, we've talked about this or discussed this a little bit before and that Kentucky won 
very handily over North Carolina earlier in the season. Uh, I didn't think they would put they would pull that win off over Purdue. Like I said, I thought their run was going to end on Friday. It is not. Uh, I feel like this North Carolina team, though, obviously uh, high, higher touted recruits, and and maybe we'll find a way to get this done today. But listen, I. I'm not even going to try time. I ain't going to try to pick the result of the St. Peter's game because obviously <laughs> been wrong all tournament long. So uh, I'd like to see them uh, ride this uh, wave all the way to the final four, uh, but I'm not going to pick them because I don't want to jinx them. Uh, but, you know, it, it, it's really interesting. I, I do think that, you know, you, you want to look at this and say, okay, what a favorable matchup for North Carolina, getting a number 15 seed. You know, you can't ask for a much better chance to get to the Final Four. Uh, but this 15 seed has uh, has proved to have more teeth than any 15 seed has ever had in the past. So um, it'll be real interesting. Um, this, is, this is a game that I'm kind of fascinated to see how it turns out. I agree with you. I am going to pick, though. I'm going with St. Peter's for the upset. Everybody's going to go North Carolina to win this game to play North Carolina Duke in the Final Four, which I didn't even know this was a thing. North Carolina and Duke have never met in the tournament, never. They never met in the big dance. They've always met in the ACC uh, regular season in the ACC tournament. They have never played here. And what would be better than to see three different games of North Carolina Duke. You know, everybody's going to probably set up that narrative for Coach K to go up at, uh, against the eight-mile run between, you know, Chapel Hill and, and Raleigh-Durham area, so on and so forth. I mean, everybody's looking for the storybook ending. I think St. Peter's keeps dancing and fit those glass slippers and keep keep riding this storm as best as you guys can. I, I love the underdog story. Nothing better in sports than this. Okay, so, Mike, we are at the tail end of the show. Um, people, stay, t- stay tuned. We do have the baseball buffet that is actually back. They actually had a show last week. They'll be back this week also. Uh, we do have more going on with the front office and the cookout as well. And the Crossover Cafe will be back in order this week as well. Mike, give me your thoughts, plug, closeout, shout-out, anything that you'd like to promote as we shut it down here on the book. TP, you already hit the show, so I don't have to do that today. But, man, check us out. Check out the website, sportscitychefs.com. Check out the blog, the merchandise, the finger foods, all the different things that we have to offer there. And, man, come check out the clubhouse on Barbershop, man. I, I, you know, New report, we are now 9,000 strong and growing uh, and, and continuing to grow. The goal still is to hit 10K by our birthday, and we got basically 29 days to see if we can get there. Um, I think April 25th is the day, today being March 27, 31 days in March. So 29 days to get there till April 25th. Uh, help us out. Share. Uh, share the community. Pop in. Say hello to us. When you get in, hit the little share room at the bottom. Uh, come check us out on Clubhouse. I've said this before. It's much more entertaining than anything you're going to get on sports talk radio or just trying to flip your radio out in the car when you're going from point to point. So even if you only have a few minutes, man, we are with the barbershop, come on, come all. You can stay for a while, then great. But even if you can only stay for a few, we always appreciate the presence of our community. So come in, man. You're likely to hear breaking news in the shop as quick or quicker than they can come along on your notifications on your phone. We're professionals at this and we stay up on it and, uh, we, we we like to share with the community, and there's always some pretty uh, entertaining discussions about things that come up in sports. But it's not just sports, man. We talk about all kinds of things in the barbershop. It truly is a community and a family. So come be part of what we do in the barbershop. Man, I'm excited about baseball season. we got uh, a little bit, about a week and a half, almost two weeks. We're, we're getting very close to, to this opening day, April 7th and 8th is when these teams are going to be start locking up to, uh, to start the season, and they're getting a full 162. Springtime is uh, definitely in the air, my brother, so let's, uh, let's get out and, uh, and enjoy, man. And as they always say in Louisiana, laissez-les bon temps rouler. Without you, TP, I wouldn't be here, man. Much love and respect. 
And uh, I look forward to chopping up with you guys on the next one. That is it for sure. I'm telling you, um, this probably is one of the best marches through this sport world that I've ever seen with all of the free agency movement, everything in the NFL, MLB going crazy. Finally, the Twins are making moves. I'm so happy. I might have to get on the baseball buffet and start acting crazy because they say, we're going to talk Yankees. We're going to talk Yankees. And y'all know I can't stand the Yankees. I live out here. I got to deal with this like crazy. Sports City, it's been a pleasure. Y'all stay tuned. I don't know who gets it, but I already made my predictions on both of these games. But on that note, tell a friend that tell a friend that it's the chef again. And if they don't know, now they know. Sports city, sports city, chef, chef. Sports city, sports city, chef, chef. Sports city, sports city, chef, chef. Sports city, sports city, chef. Kaboom, Sports City Chefs is in the room, cooking up hot topics to put up on your spoon. They well in tune, blown like a flower in June. Superman vs. MF Doom, the clouds loom. So tell a friend it's the Sports City Chefs again. Pay attention, tune in, we on the set again. Uh-huh.